today, though, we're going to shift gears just a little bit. And it's not so much a place anymore that we're looking for God. It's understanding those four things all have one thing in common. Fear. So if you would, pray for me this morning as I pray for you. Heavenly Father, we just come before you right now. And um, for those of us that are sitting here in your sanctuary, I may be sitting at home. Lord, we know when we hear the word fear, we know exactly what it is in our life that is our greatest fears. And maybe it's not something physical, maybe it's not something tangible that we can look at, such as, you know, spiders or snakes or heights. Maybe it's something a lot deeper. A fear of rejection. A fear of being found unworthy. A fear of what other people may think. Fears that lead into worry, that grow into anxiety. Lord, we know in our heart the thing that paralyzes us most. So this morning, no matter what we are going through, no matter what season or stage of life we may be in, if we live a life of messiness or a life of prosperity, if we live a life where we're trying to make sense out of all the brokenness in the world, or we live a life where we feel like all is lost, this morning, Lord, help us to understand what could possibly be that root cause, that fear, that thing, that one thing, or that second thing, Lord, that keeps us from finding you. Lord, this morning, just open our ears, our hearts to being totally open and receptive, shining light in the darkness of our souls to expose fear for what it is, a lie from the enemy. Lord, we pray all these things in your holy name. Amen. When you think about ways that people connect with God, they, they, we all connect with God differently. And the reason that we all connect with God differently is because we're all different. How we experience God, how I experience God and and the way I feel close to him may not necessarily be the way that you connect to God. Some people connect with God through intellectual debate or or intellectual stimulation like reading and studying and and digging deep in the scriptures or other books and and finding out everything they can and researching God and Jesus and the history of, of scriptures and all of that. Some people connect with God that way. Some people connect with God through what we would just call worship, just music and, and, and being in that moment and, and through emotions. Some people, they connect with God because they've had a moment of tragedy. Something has happened in their life that has totally crushed them. And they've hit rock bottom and they just cry out for God. Some people find God in moments of celebration, a marriage, a birth. Some people connect with God when they're surrounded by friends. Some people connect with God when they're surrounded by trees. We're all different, every single one of us. But we all have this connection with God through something. And just like we can all connect with God, something that we share with every single person on this planet, seven and a half billion people, no matter where you're at, no matter what your walk of life is, no matter what your faith is, no matter how old you are, no matter what country you live in or continent or what corner of the world, one thing that every single person on this planet has in common and every person that has ever lived and ever will live on this planet has is fear. We are all afraid of something. 
And for most of us, that fear can often cut that connection with God. We've had those moments where we feel just so close to God and we could probably think about those. Like, oh man, I remember when I was at this retreat or I was in this worship service or I was sitting at home or I was out camping, you know, whatever it may be. And I just felt so close to God in that moment. And then we can think about those moments in life where we felt as far away as possible. We could probably pinpoint those moments that we feel far away that started and ended with fear. I like to um, watch or listen to TED Talks. And if you're not familiar with this, it's like little 10-minute chats and people a million times smarter than I get up and share things and thoughts. They're incredible. And I was listening to one, um, uh, I don't know, a couple of months ago on human innovation. And the speaker believes this, and, and, and this is what they said. They believe that all human innovation, all inventions, all discoveries, all advancements in human society have come from fear. I mean, if you think about it, you know, people, you know, thousands of years ago were scared of tigers. So what do they do? They built a spear, right? Scared of the dark. So you build fire and light. Like things that we were, like now, we're scared of getting sick. So what do we do? We're developing vaccines. Like, like all of our innovations, this person believes everything that we have is grounded out of fear. We have a fear of something, so we invent something to overcome that fear. It's like we've made fear conquerable. Like it's like a mountain, like it's the Mount Everest of emotions, right? Like, like man, if I could just invent this one thing, or if I could just do this, or this, if this would just happen to me, then I'll overcome fear and I'll never be scared again. Until the next day, then you're scared of something new, right? I mean, that's how fear works. Fear is not something that we can conquer. It, it just isn't. And we know this because in the scriptures, time and time again, over and over, the number one command in the entire Bible is not love, is not pray more, is none of those things. The number one command that you see in the scriptures is do not be afraid. Fear not. Over 300 times in the scriptures, somebody is telling us, the readers, don't be afraid. Fear not. Now, they wouldn't be telling us that if God didn't know that this was going to be something that would haunt us and chase us for the rest of our lives. If the speaker who was given that TED Talk is correct, and I kind of believe they are, we have allowed fear to become our chief motivator in life. Think about your own personal life. Maybe it's not something that you invent. Maybe it's just something you need to have because you're afraid. And so that serves as motivation. Sometimes it's wise, right? Like, like we're afraid our home may be broken into. So what do we do? We put in a home security system, right? We're, we're afraid of who may be showing up at the door. So we put in that little camera in the doorbell so we can see everybody. Yeah, you know, we're, we're afraid of what happens if, if somebody breaks into the house, you know, and we want to have a gun nearby or, so, or something that can protect ourselves. For me, I... I, I my, my form of protection is I keep best sleeping on the side of the bed that's closest to the door, right? <laughs> like, like, that's it. And, and, you know, we've heard noises. She gets pushed out, and that's it, right? And, and I can escape while they're dealing with her. And we do that. Like, there's things that, we, that we're scared of in our own life. So we add things into our life to keep us safe. Now, the beautiful thing about Scripture is we can go back to the moment in time when fear first entered this world. 
You know it. It was in Genesis chapter 3. You look at the history of mankind, we couldn't even make it three chapters, right? In the first book, without fear coming into the world. You got Adam and Eve, and they're living in the garden, and everything's beautiful, and, and they're eating whatever they want, and they're hanging out with the animals, and they're t- totally naked. They're just, they're just living life, right? I mean, they're just having a great time. And then they eat of something they shouldn't eat. They get scared. They get ashamed. And God comes looking for them in the garden. Not, it wasn't even like God, God knew where they were, right? He just kind of wanted to put them on the spot. And so we can read in Genesis chapter 3, it's like he comes into the garden. He's like, Adam, Eve, where are y'all? And they're hiding. And finally, Adam kind of pops his head out. And God's like, what are you doing? And God knew, but he wanted Adam to say it. And he's like, God, I'm, I'm sorry, I was, I was hiding. Well, why were you hiding? I don't know, I was naked, I was afraid, and I just didn't want you to see me like this. And it wasn't that Adam didn't want God to see his physical body. He didn't want God to see his soul. Because in that moment, fear entered this world. And Adam and Eve's motivation to hide their sinfulness, their brokenness, fact that they were ashamed was fear. What's God going to think? What's God going to do? We just saw him like make all of this stuff. Like he's made the suns and the moons and the stars and the sky and the oceans and all of these things. Man, we disobeyed him. What is he going to do to us? Fear. Fear motivated them to hide from God. Here's what's crazy is that had God done anything at that point for Adam and Eve to be scared of? Nothing. They they didn't see God out there like throwing down lightning bolts or zapping animals or or any, any of this stuff. He had not done a single thing to make Adam and Eve scared. What they perceived would be how he would respond. And that's fear. In fact, when you look up the definition of fear, this is pretty incredible. The definition of fear says this, a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger or pain. We all agree with that, right? A distressing emotion aroused by impending danger or pain, comma, whether the threat is real or imagined. That is the definition of fear that we have this emotion that's wrapped up of us worrying uh, about you know, a threat you know, or, or being hurt or being in danger or being in pain, whether or not it is real or not. Fears can be rational, they can be irrational. They can come from life experiences or they can come from our imagination. For some of us, maybe you have a, you have a fear of heights. And maybe it's because you fell off a ladder at some point in your life, right? Some of us have a fear of heights because we know someone who knew someone who knew someone that fell off a ladder, right? And not that you've ever experienced it. So our fears can be reality-based or they can be imaginary. And the enemy understands this because all the enemy needs is our imagination. If he can convince you that tomorrow is going to be worse than today, he has you. 
Because fear can be irrational or irrational. He wants you to be more scared of what you can't see versus what you do see. And so we allow fear, the enemy, to motivate us in our day-to-day lives and in our walk with Christ. But that's not the way that God designed us to be. He didn't design us to live a life of imagined fears, of, of what something may be, how something may hurt us. Um, Josh Love, our youngest Josh, he, he, is, he is our nature guy, right? And those of you who know him, you know, he is all about some nature. He, he loves all kinds of insects and reptiles and studying all of these things. And so occasionally we'll, him and I will we'll just be scrolling through, you know, one of the 50 million streaming things we have and looking for a new TV show. And we ran across one a couple of weeks ago called The Kings of Pain. And it's, it's, on the, it's like a history channel show. It is phenomenal, right? So what happens is you, you got these two guys. And way back in 1983, there was this, um, there was this, there was this uh, guy named Dr. Justin Smith. And what he did was he created this book about the sting index. And so what he did is he went around and, and he personally got stung by every stinging insect he could possibly find, and he ranked it on a scale from one to four. Who wants that job? Anybody? <laughs> like, like, that's what he did. And he would rank them on a scale from one to four, and he wrote this book. And, and literally for the last 40 years, that has kind of been the insect Bible. Like, he would look it up and say, all right, is this, kind of, is this uh, type of insect, its sting is the number three, it's really going to hurt. Or this is the type of insect, it's a sting number one, it's not going to be that bad. Well, these two guys have gotten together the last couple years, and they decided they want to take what Dr. Smith had done 40 years ago and revise it a little bit and make the scale a little bigger and look at some other aspects, you know, not just the initial sting, but how long does, does it last, how much, I mean, just all these types of things. So, of course, you know, being America, we created a reality TV show out of this. And so this, this camera group follows these guys around, these two guys, and, um, and they go and they get these things and they let them bite them and then they, they kind of record it. And both of them get bit and both of them kind of, you know, rank it themselves. They kind of put it together and average out the number. Well, then one of the, epi- it sounds crazy, right? Like some of you guys are like, these people are nuts. And so maybe some of you are like, I can get paid to do that. Like I get stung all the time. I should make money. And so these two guys were out and then they were in the jungle one day and, and there were uh, three particular types of insects that they were looking for. And two of the three just happened to be wasps. One was called an executioner wasp. The other was called a warrior wasp. Well, they went and the first thing they found was this executioner wasp. And, and it was ranked like a three or four on Dr. Schmidt's scale. Well, sure enough, it shows in the TV show. They get it. They put it on their arm. It stings them. It goes in. Both these guys flip out. Like they are just like screaming in pain. I mean, you would have thought somebody was like hammering a nail. And I mean, they were just going nuts with this little thing. And then, you know, their arms were going numb and some of them were, they were having like heart palpitations. I mean, it was all this craziness, right? And then when they got better after a day or two, they were like, all right, let's go get the next one. And then they went. And so the second wasp that they were going to get was called the warrior wasp, which Dr. Schmidt had said on his scale was worse than the executioner wasp. And so these guys were terrified. They were like, we're going to do this, we got to do this, but man, this is, even, this is going to be worse than the executioner. I mean, there's nothing worse than an executioner, right? When you hear that, you know you're going to die. But these guys were like, man, if he thought the warrior was worse than the executioner, and the executioner felt this way, man, this thing is going to be terrible. 
So they go out at night, and they find a nest, and they grab some of them, and they come back in. The next day, you know, cameras are rolling, the sun's up, and they pull out one of these warrior wasps, and they put it on the first guy's arm, and they're just agitating and agitating until they get ready to sting. And then it, it gets stung, and the guy's tensing up, and he's ready, and nothing happens. And he looks down, and you're showing like a close-up, and the stinger's like in the skin. And the guy's like, I don't feel hardly anything. So they get out another one, they put it on him, nothing. So then the other guy's like, well, let me see. Maybe, 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 you know, maybe how, they put it on his arm, nothing. Like it was so much, they didn't even, they couldn't even grade it. Like, like it was like incomplete. Because they were like, what in the world is going on here? Their fear of what it was going to feel like to get stung was greater than the actual sting. And as I watched that episode, I thought about me. And how many times in my life I've made choices because I was afraid to get stung. You know what? I've, I've been stung before. I, 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 I friended this person and I shouldn't have, and, and they you know, did me wrong and betrayed me, or you know, I, I made this decision I shouldn't have, or I did this, or whatever it may be. You know, that thing in your life. And I know how bad that hurt, and I don't want to get hurt again, so I'm not going to do it. That's us. The fear of being stung by life. The fear of being stung by the next thing, the next person, whatever it may be, the next relationship. That fear keeps us paralyzed. I cannot tell you how many people I've met in my 25 years of full-time ministry that are no longer in church because they had a bad church experience. Church stung them. Or more importantly, or maybe more precise, somebody in a church stung them. So I'm like, hey, why don't you come visit our church? Uh, I've, I've been to church before and I got stung. Like, like it, it scares me to death to think about joining a church again. I said, they don't. Because they think every church is going to sting as bad as the one where they were at. And that's our life. We allow the fear of being stung to dictate what we do. And Jesus realized this. And I think when he was, he was preaching, if you have your Bibles, you're going to be in Matthew chapter 10. Jesus addresses this idea of fear and being dictated by fear, our lives, and worrying about what tomorrow may hold. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 26, Jesus says this, So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak into the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So do not be afraid. You are worth more than any sparrow. Let me tell you what Jesus didn't do there. He didn't say, don't panic. He didn't say, oh, you'll be able to overcome this. He wasn't saying things like, man, if you could just get a little bit more braver, then you're going to overcome this fear. 
What you need is a little more courage. If you just had a little more courage, then you, would, then you could live this fearless life. He didn't say any of those things. Because when he was talking about fear in this passage, and every time he spoke about fear, it had nothing to do with the physical. It had nothing to do with what was going on on that earth. Every time Jesus spoke about fear, it was in the light of your relationship with God. Every time. Because it's about your worth in God's eyes, not about your worth here on this earth and what may or may not be able to hurt you. You see, we think that we had courage and fear replaced it. That's not true at all. Fear doesn't replace courage. Fear replaces God. You think about it in your life. If we lived a life where we truly believed that God was in control, that yeah, life is broken and the world is broken and I've been stung before, but I'm gonna trust God to keep moving forward. Your worth and who you are is found in God, not in the things of this world. So it is not courage that's been replaced. It's your identity. It's how you and I view God. I've never been a kid who wasn't at some point in their life afraid of the dark, right? I mean, all of our kids have been, and we don't even know how that happened. It's like, it's dark, and they're little, and they're running around. They could care less, right? And it's like, all of a sudden, one day, one night, I don't want to go in that room. It's dark. I don't want to lay down. Don't cut off the light. Give me a nightlight when I'm going to bed, Mommy. You know? Like, Daddy, can you look in my closet under my bed? Why is that? It's because fear lives in the darkness. Fear lives in the unknown. And God is light. Fear does not live in the light. Fear does not live where God can live. They cannot coexist. When I look back over moments of my life and choices that I made, so many of my choices were based more out of fear than out of faith in God. And if we're really honest, I think all of us are. I need to hear every once in a while, God tell me, Mike, if I've got the sparrows, if I'm holding them up, if I've got them in my hand, why do you not think I'm gonna have you in my hand also? Why do you think that I'm, I'm not going to be there when things get scary? Because things will get scary. We will get afraid. But we don't have to live in fear because it's not more courage that we need. We don't need more courage to overcome the fears in our life. We need more love. We need more Jesus. We need more God. He tells us this in 1 John 4.18. You know this. 1 John 4.18 says, perfect love casts out what? All fear. Because love and fear cannot coexist. They can't live in the same place. And we know that perfect fear is Jesus. And Jesus is saying, if you trust me, if you allow me into your life, if you allow me to, to, to shine on you, you will see the things that you're scared of are not so scary. But guys, you don't understand. I, had a, I was married and my marriage fell apart and I'll never be able to trust somebody again. That's living in the darkness of relationships. Jesus is saying, let me shine light 
on that next spouse. Trust me. Because you don't understand, I'm really scared about spending money because and, and, I, I, I spent money one time and I lost some money and I did this and I had a failed business or a venture or whatever it may be. And God's like, I got you. You lost some money, but I still took care of you, right? Yeah. Well, I'm going to take care of you in the future too. Don't let the fear of, of taking a risk financially keep you from going where you think God wants you to be. But God... We've been, having the try, we've been trying to have kids and we just can't. And we got pregnant and had a miscarriage. I just don't know if I can go through that again. And God's like, that's the darkness. I am the light. I will give you the desires of your heart. Just let me shine on that. Perfect love cast out all fear. Because love has nothing to do with punishment. Just fear does. Whatever we fear becomes our master, right? And our fear establishes our boundaries. If we're scared of heights, we stay on the ground. If we're scared of the dark, we keep the lights on. And that's fine in some instances, right? We have that part of our brain that causes us to kind of put on the brakes at times and evaluate the situation. The danger is when we stay there, frozen. And God is saying, come on, I got you. Just come on and jump. As a kid, I, I, we, uh, most of the houses we've lived in have had stairs. And there was a point in one of our houses, it was like a long staircase going up to the second floor. And Jacob and Maria, when they were really young, would like get to a certain step and they would just leap and jump, right? And I would catch them. I never one time dropped them, ever, right? But they got to a point where they got to a certain age where I'd be like, all right, jump. Uh-uh. And they wouldn't. Why? Their father had never dropped them. They jumped. It was scary. But I caught them. And I think spiritually, we go through that. There are times in our lives where we feel so close to Jesus, we're just jumping. Because we know no matter what happens, the Father's going to catch us. But then we get into situations where the Father's saying, come on, just jump. And we're standing on that step and we're like, I don't know. And we just put the brakes on. That's not what we were designed to be. That's not who we were designed to be. The last 18 months of our life, we have all been led and our lives have been mastered by fear. Fear of others, fear of what other people think, fear of a sickness, fear of elections, fear of social unrest, fear of all of these things that we've gone through. And they were all bad. But God is still good. God has caught all of us. We've all gone through the same thing in the last year and a half, two years, but we're all still here today because God is saying, just jump and just trust me. Can you imagine what your life would be like if you didn't worry about being stung? Can you imagine what your life would be like if you were just so willing to jump that you're like, God, I know this is where you're calling me. I know this is what you want me to do. I know I've had failed relationships, poor relationships, bad business deals, crappy jobs. I know all of those things. 
But God, you've caught me every single time. So I'm jumping again. Can you imagine if that was our mentality in life? Can you imagine if we started finding our worth more in Christ than something that's imaginary in the dark? If we realize that no matter how bad this world gets, it doesn't change how good our Father is. Can you imagine what your life would be like? See, the thing about fear, whether your life is a complete mess this morning or you're stuck in trying to explain and understand everything that's happening, or you're sitting here this morning and you just feel like all is lost, those are all prisons that we live in. The problem is the door's wide open. We don't have to stay locked inside. We don't have to be a slave to fear anymore. God is calling us out. He's calling us forward. He's telling us to jump. He's saying, just live your life the way I created you to live. Do not be afraid. Fear not. Come follow me. And let's do it. What is God calling you to this morning that you need to step out of? What imaginary fear door have you put in front of you that you need to kick wide open and walk through? Because we are not slaves to fear. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Amen? Isn't it about time we start living that way? Let's pray. Lord, if we're really being honest this morning, um, we say we're followers of Jesus, but we live like slaves of fear. You are the creator, God. You are the most high. You are our father who will catch us and even when life stings us, you're there to comfort, to remove that sting, to heal our hearts and our souls. God, this morning, allow us to realize that we don't need more courage. We need more of you. Because the more of you we have, the more love we have. And we know, Lord, your perfect love will cast out all fears rational and irrational, real and imaginary. Lord, this morning, let us come to you seeking your love, seeking you to shine light into our lives, to expose the darkness and the fear for what it is, and for us to move forward, to become the men and women, the sons and daughters that you've called us to be. holy name we pray.